I forgot about the little intro video. Sorry about that. Let's give the worship team a round of applause. I mean, they do. They put in a lot of work, and they do really good work. Amen? Amen. All right, guys. So let's bring it down a little bit. Uh, tonight, we are going to be talking about something kind of heavy. And so I'm just going to let you know right now, we're going to be talking about mental health. Uh, we are going to be talking about suicide. And so we encourage you to stay here because a lot of great things are going to be said. But if that is just a trigger for you and you can't handle it, we understand you are more than welcome to go hang out in the lobby. Um, so that's just to let you know, okay? But tonight... Amanda is going to be speaking. Let's give her a round of applause, yeah? She's going to do great. Um, but really quick, can we pray for you? Sure. Is that okay? Yeah. Do you guys want, can we pray for Amanda? All right, let's pray for Amanda. Father God, right now I pray that you uh, just call Amanda's heart and that whatever you would like to be said tonight, you will just say through her. Thank you for her preparation, and uh, we pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Hi, guys. Yay, Sunday, yay. Um, so really quickly, just to um, reiterate what Timbo said, I am going to start with something kind of heavy. Um, my hope is that at the end you will see why I bring it up. Um, but we are talking about mental health. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Amanda. I am the high school resident, which is just a really fancy word for intern. Um, I go to seminary, which is why I get residence instead of intern. Um, and I am studying clinical mental health. I want to be a counselor. Um, so that's kind of why they threw me um, mental health for this topic. Um, I, if I'm honest, I don't feel completely qualified to talk about this because I still feel like I'm learning a lot. Um, and juggling science, like, that's behind mental health, and being a Christian is a hard thing as somebody who's learning it. So I can imagine um, if you are struggling with mental health or addiction, that it's even harder for someone like you who probably doesn't have all of the classes that I'm taking that tell me why God supports science behind mental health um, being advocated. So all that to say, tonight might be a little heavy. I apologize in advance if... Um, yeah, if, it, if it's a little sad, um, but I guess here we go. Um, so a little bit about me. If you've known me for a while, you know that Jeremy teases me because I grew up as a Lutheran, um, which is just the denomination of Christianity, which means we're a little bit more traditional. I had an organ for my worship. It was really exciting stuff. Sounded like a funeral just about every single time we went to church. Um, as I got older, we started doing like super mellow uh, worship, like we had a guitar and a drum set. That was pretty exciting for Lutherans. That also means that um, I learned traditional things. So instead of being baptized as a young person, I went through confirmation, which means I went to a class every week. And I um, learned about the Bible, and I learned about God, and I learned about the different creeds we were supposed to say. So if I step into a Lutheran church, the pastor will say something, and I know exactly how to respond. That's what I was taught. Um, 
And it also meant that when I was confirmed, instead of getting a cool t-shirt that we give for baptism, I got to wear a robe. And I looked like a little pastor. I was not. I actually fainted when I was getting confirmed because I had to kneel for so long. It was kind of embarrassing. Um, But so that said, my beliefs about mental health, my beliefs about God, and my beliefs about God's power as far as healing were super traditional. Um, I, to be honest, never really considered mental health until I was a young adult. It didn't affect me. Um, in a negative way that I could tell. Um, But I think now looking back, I was just oblivious to it, which is really sad on a bunch of levels, especially because my family is riddled with addicts, um, which I now associate with mental health. So from here on out, when I talk about mental health, I'm talking to those of us who struggle with depression or anxiety, whether, whether clinically or just on, um, I don't know, a roller coaster type of basis. Um, I'm, sure I'm talking to those people who struggle with addiction or addictive personalities because I do think that that is part of um, your mental health. Um, so I grew up in this really traditional uh, church, and my family was super um, traditional in belief, and we didn't talk about our feelings and we didn't talk about, like, why people are addicted to things or why people are depressed or um, anything like that. Not that my parents didn't want to talk about it. I just never brought it up. So kudos to your generation for being a part of the generation that is constantly talking about your mental health. I think that's great. <coughs> but I want to start with this story about Cameron. <coughs> and I think I have a picture of him. And me. You're welcome. That's me in high school. I was a senior. That's Cameron on the whatever side that is, right. There we go. Um, And Cameron was somebody that I hung out with most of high school. I hung out with these four guys. They lived in my neighborhood. Um, They were super goofy. Um, They had like zero girl social skills. It was kind of funny. Um, But they were all athletes, so they teetered on being really goofy and silly and being really cool at school. And so I wanted to be cool, so I latched on. Um, when I think of Cameron, um, I think of silly things like, um, they used to play this game. I grew up in a small town where they would walk the roads at night and if they saw a car coming towards them, they would jump into the bushes and hide. Um, now that might be really funny if you were in middle school and socially acceptable, but as juniors and seniors, when I hung out with them, this is what they were doing. And they would say, Amanda, Do you want to come walk the streets of Wrightwood, California, and jump into bushes when cars drive by? And I said, no, that's weird. So they would go out and do it anyway. They were super silly, super goofy. Um, And we remained friends all the way until senior year when we graduated. And then as happens, everybody goes to their own schools. He attended Humboldt, which is in northern California, because that's where I'm from. And um, if you know anything about, like, Humboldt or Berkeley, they tend to be... Um, freer-spirited schools, and all that means is they party, and they're hippies, so it's like, uh, what's that, the People's Republic of what, what's that called in Colorado? All right, it's going to come to me randomly, and I'll shout it out, and then you'll just know that's what I'm talking about. Okay, so they were a bunch of hippies, um, and he went up there actually to study zoology. He wanted to work with animals, um, Yeah, so he was just a fun, 
happy-go-lucky kid. Um, until probably about halfway through freshman year of college, um, I had heard through the grapevine um, that he had attempted suicide. Um, Cameron OD'd on pills. Um, luckily, he was revived. Unluckily, the way that he passed out forced him to lose half of his leg when they revived him. Um, so on top of dealing with whatever mental struggle he was dealing with, now he has a physical reminder. Um, for most of us, perhaps, at least I think for me, that would have been a huge wake-up call. Um, and I remember the first time I saw Cameron after this accident, we were at a party, we were 21, and um, I remember he was so happy, I don't know how else to say that, um, that he walked up to me with like a wine-stained mouth and tried to kiss me. And I was like, what is happening? What's going on? Um, and he was completely, obviously, oblivious to whatever problems he was facing. Or that's how I viewed it, anyway. Um, fast forward a couple um, more months, probably about a year. Um, and we have a big freeway like we have here, the 25. Ours is called the 15. Um, and kind of like Parker, to get anywhere, you have to take the freeway. So in my town, we had to take the freeway. And I was taking the freeway, and I remember getting a phone call um, that... Cameron had been successful in his second attempt. Um, and sadly, because of my traditional upbringing, because of my family's lack of communication about mental health and what role that plays in your relationship with God, I'm going to cry. I immediately called my dad and said, Dad, Cameron killed himself and he's Catholic. And Catholics and Lutherans tend to traditionally believe that that's an unforgivable sin. He's his family thinks he's going to hell. I can't believe that. And what my dad told me changed my entire perspective on mental health, changed my entire perspective on suicide, and changed my entire perspective on addiction. He told me that your relationship with God is so personal that we have no idea what Cameron's last thoughts were. We have no idea what his last cries were, his last pray, his last prayer. Um, and that's really all that matters, that your relationship is so personal that it's between you and God, and nobody else can dictate or judge how Christian you are or how much you are or are not going to heaven. Now, I say that because I think it started to chip away at my inability to deal with emotion. Now, if you know anything about me, um, I don't do emotions very well. Um, I don't personally handle them. It's really hard for me to handle other people's emotions. I am a fixer. I want to fix you, um, and that doesn't work, right? So um, it started to make me realize that maybe there's a brokenness that I can't fix, even if I want to. <sighs> All right. Um, and I started to believe that if we want to change the perspective on mental health, then we have to change the way we talk about mental health in the church. We have to change the way we treat those who are suffering from negative mental health, and we have to change the way we interact with people like that. I believe that is our job. Now, the church that I grew up in 10 years ago is way different than the church that you guys get to grow up in, and, and I'm so thankful for that. 
um, because you guys are a generation that is willing to talk about your feelings and is willing to talk about your emotions. And while that scares the bejeebus out of me, and I don't know how to handle that, you guys are lucky enough to be in a church that is willing to walk through this with you. We say at Garage that this is supposed to be the safest place on earth, that you are loved and accepted here just as you are. We say it every single week. I believe that is the true nature of Garage. And if that's true, then we have to change things. And while I can change the way I talk about it up on stage, you guys have to change the way you talk about it and you interact with it down there because eventually you guys will be up here. And however you guys think about it is how the rest of the generations are going to feel about it. I believe that there are two camps that you can sit in when it comes to mental health. I believe you can be like me where um, I'm pretty oblivious to negative mental health. I don't think that's a good thing at all, actually. Um, I tend to bury any emotion that is not happy. I tend to pretend it's not happening. I pretend that it doesn't exist and that I am impervious to it. I mean, the first time I realized this um, was when I found out I was pregnant with Nolan, who I'm, a I'm absolutely so excited he was here and is here, um, but his timing for me was not ideal. And I remember thinking, this must be what depression feels like. I would never be as bold to say that I was clinically depressed or that I suffer from depression because I know those are very serious things and I don't want to belittle anybody who is suffering from depression. However, I feel like I got a glimpse in that moment. The other camp that I think you can be in is somebody who feels all the feelings. That if you're sad, you want to be super sad all the time and you want everybody to know that you're sad. If you're mad, you want everybody to know that you're mad. Now, the problem with these camps is that either of them can lead to negative mental health or addiction. If I numb myself out from all of my emotions, I might become addicted to something so that I can feel something. I might form a negative mental health so that I can feel something. If I feel all my feelings all the time, the same thing will happen. Now I want to use something to numb my emotions. Now I'm stuck in this, this hole of depression or anxiety and I can't escape. So these two camps are not better than each other. It's not better that Piper thinks that I have no room for compassion in my life, even though I tend to think that's true. Um, and it's not better if you're willing to tell everybody that you're sad all the time. I think both of them have their highs and both of them have their lows, but both of them tell us one thing. We are not enough. Both of them, whether you feel all your emotions or you pretend you don't have any, they prove that you need someone to help you get through life. And I'm so thankful that we have a God that we have so that he can help us through this because alone, whether or not you decide to believe in God, whether you're a new Christian or a veteran Christian, alone in this life, you will suffer from something. Suffering is not just for Christians, and it's not for non-believers. It is just a humankind experience that we have to get through. And as believers, we get the privilege of going through struggles, which might look like mental health, which might look like um, addiction, right? There's other things. Might look like poverty. Could look like family issues. 
But we, as Christians, don't have to walk through it alone. And God sets it up so that we never have to walk through it alone. Um, the first thing I believe God asks us to do, I have a slide for it, is prayer. There are so many times in the Bible where we talk about how praying is important. Philippians tells us to pray and not be anxious. Matthew heals a woman because of her faith alone. John tells us um, to remain in Jesus and whatever we ask will be given to us. Roman tells us the Spirit will help us in our weakness. And I wholly believe that prayer can heal you. I wholly believe that. That's what I was taught when I was younger. Um, I, I believe that God could just miraculously heal. And he proves it over and over and over through Jesus and his miracles that that is totally plausible. And while I believe that is true, I often wonder if the message of prayer is the only message we send to Christians who are struggling with mental health or addiction. Like I said, I don't have a lot of experience with mental health. I have a lot of experience with addiction. My brother is an addict, a recovering addict. My aunts and uncles are recovering addicts. I've seen what that looks like. Um, but I have a really good friend. We've been friends since we were eight years old. And recently she came out and told me um, that she suffers from really bad postpartum and she just started taking Zoloft or some antidepressant. Um, and so I was talking to her about what it was like for her and how prayer helped her. And she told me honestly, and maybe this is true for you. I know this is true for me in other areas of my life. Um, and she was telling me that sometimes when she was in the deepest, darkest places of her depression and anxiety, that prayer wasn't enough. And because prayer wasn't enough, she had a bunch of Christian guilt that maybe she wasn't a good enough believer that if she was a true Christian, that these deep, dark thoughts that she was having wouldn't even exist. That she couldn't even muster the strength to pray because it offered her no hope. And she said it was really hard for her to accept that as a Christian, she could have both a great love and faith in our God and be struggling with depression and anxiety. So I believe that while we are supposed to pray and that God can definitely heal you miraculously, I wholly believe that. I believe that if we just sit at prayer, that we're not doing our jobs as Christians. I believe the next step that the Bible tells us about is community. Multiple times in the Bible, in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, God tells us stories about communities. Moses leads the Egyptians out of um, Egypt. In the New Testament, there's an entire chunk. It's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Thessalonians. They are books written by Paul to churches about how to help each other, how to be there for each other, how to hold each other accountable, but also how to support each other and lift each other up. Now, a community might look different for you. Community to me doesn't just mean telling your friends and your parents that you're suffering. Community to me means leaning on all of the resources that God is giving you. Are you talking to one of your leaders here at church? Have you reached out to a pastor? Have you gone to counseling? Because just because we pray 
for healing doesn't mean that the only type of healing God's going to offer us is a miraculous healing. Maybe, like in my life, when God answers my prayers, it's never what I expect. Ever, actually. Um, I was pregnant with Nolan. I wanted a girl. I got a boy. And I felt like, gosh, if you could just make Nolan a girl in my womb, that um, that it would be easier for me to swallow this whole single mom thing. Um, and then God gave me Nolan, and I'm so glad he did because I could never be a father to a daughter. And now possibly if we have another child, he'll bless us with a daughter because I have somebody sitting in that father role. But just because God doesn't miraculously heal your negative thoughts or take away your loneliness or your anxiety or help you with your addiction and just make your cravings go away doesn't mean he's not listening. And it doesn't mean he's not providing an answer. So I wholly believe that we can be healed through prayer and that we can be healed through community. I also believe that we can be healed through a leap of faith. Again, multiple times in the Bible we are told stories of people who take leaps of faith. Everybody knows the story of Jonah and the whale, right? He's sitting in the ocean, huge storm. God says go back. He says no. Eventually he has to jump out of the boat so he can go back. And he gets eaten by a fish. His leap of faith was jumping out of the boat knowing, hoping, being faithful that God would not let him drown. He had no idea. That was a possibility. Again, Moses shows us that he has a leap of faith when he raises his staff, hoping the Red Sea will part so that the, the Israelites can get away from the Egyptians. He didn't know that it was going to happen. He hoped it would. He had faith, and it happened. Abraham agrees to sacrifice his son that he waited for forever. His faith took him there. God didn't allow that to happen. But he had faith and took that leap of faith, hoping God would use this instance for good. Um, Peter steps out of the boat and walks on water with Jesus. The moment he looks down and loses faith, does anybody know what happens to Peter? He sinks. Baby Moon said that. He does. He sinks. Because he lost his faith. For healing to take place, you need to have faith in God. And I've heard stories over and over and over about how we hide things from God. I hide things from God. Fearful that, that he's not going to accept me, knowing perhaps my dark thoughts. Knowing the negative things I think about people or the judgments I make or the addictions that I have. And my lack of trust proves that I have a lack of faith. And I think that all these three things are like foundational blocks to healing. I think if you remove one of those blocks, that you're farther away from healing. Now, do I think that through prayer alone you could be healed? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do I think that through prayer and community you can be healed? Absolutely. But I think if we are not willing to take all three steps towards healing and constantly take those three steps over and over, that we are doing a disservice to our Father, that we are not holding up our end of the bargain. 
Multiple times we are told that we can pray and God will answer our prayers. But at the same time, God tells us, don't just sit there. Do something. I think it's James talks about how uh, something to the effect of idle faith is meaningless. Are you active in your faith? I think it's important that we can trust that no matter how deep you are, that no matter how anxious you are, no matter how far you feel you have gone, it's so important that we trust that Jesus has our best interest at heart, that he is our guiding factor. Now, I talked about how, like, I fix things. And one of the hard things about being the fixer is I sometimes forget step one, prayer. Why? Because I think I can fix it myself, and that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Because I can't. I want to, and I will try very, very hard. But I even need the reminder that there are steps for a reason, And that if I'm missing one of them, then whether the healing is for me or I'm attempting to heal somebody else or help them achieve healing, then I am not honoring my duty as a Christian. I'm tired. And I feel sad and I don't like it. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Brett. So I wasn't going to mention this, but um, now that I'm up here, I'm going to. Uh, When I was given mental health, um, Jeremy's like, oh, you could talk about, like, all the science behind addiction and mental health. And I was like, yeah, I totally could. Um, And then I was writing my sermon, and it didn't really fit. Um, But just, I think, to add to the power of God, I want to tell you something about your brain. Now, what's really cool about a master's in counseling is I'm getting a master's in art um, but it's clinical mental health counseling, so it kind of sounds sciencey. So they teach me just enough about the human body to make you think I know what I'm talking about, um, but I don't. So if this is wrong, feel free to connect, correct me off stage, preferably. Um, but we often talk about how we are created in God's image and how each one of us is made wonderfully and perfectly, and that God created us with intention. Um, so I want to talk to you about your brain. Um, in your brain on in negative mental health or addiction, your brain is so powerful uh, that it can relearn things. There are neurons in your brain that if you move them from one space to another, they can learn the job of that area of your brain. Um, and it doesn't matter if you do that when you're an infant or like an adolescent or an adult. To some degree, it can pick up the slack and work like a neuron in the frontal lobe as opposed to the midbrain. Um, So that said, when we have um, negative mental health, like depression or anxiety, um, or we're suffering from addictions, um, a lot of times what counselors will ask you to do um, is change the way that you talk about yourself to yourself. It's called talk therapy. I know you're not interested in that. Anyway, all that to say, um, your brain is so powerful that when you have negative thoughts or you have an addiction that your brain learned that this is your new normal. That if I am introducing a substance into my body, my brain says this is where you operate now. Now, that seems kind of defeating 
right, because I can alter the way my brain handles situations. However, the bright side is that God also made our brain so complex that I can change that. And I find that so hopeful because what that tells me is I am not stuck. I am not forced to constantly always deal with my addiction. Is it going to be hard? Yes. It will be incredibly hard. Am I going to struggle? Yes. Am I going to have good days and bad days? Yes. But in the end, I can change the way that my brain thinks about things. I'm going to have the band come up as I finish. Um, but I'm wondering where you land in your mental health. Where do you land in your addiction? Um, are you somebody like me who represses everything and then you wait till it all builds up and you cry in the shower and you're like, whew, that was all my negative energy for the year. Let's keep going. Are you somebody who sits in your sadness or sits in your anxiety because that's your normal and you don't think you can get better? Are you somebody who's balancing things great? Because if you are, share your secrets. Definitely share your secrets. But I believe that if we are not actively trying to get better, if we are not actively pursuing Christ, if we are not actively pursuing healing with all of the options that he's afforded us, then we are doing something wrong. And when my prayer is not being answered, it's not because God's not answering it. It's because I'm denying his answer. I'm rejecting the fact that he gave me a leader who wants to know what's going on in my life. I'm rejecting the fact that he gave me an opportunity to go seek counseling. I'm rejecting the fact that maybe I need to take an antidepressant for a little while till I can figure out what this balance thing is all about. I'm rejecting the fact that he needs me to take that extra step to prove that I'm invested in my mental health just like he's invested in my mental health. So I told you the story about Cameron and it's very sad and um, I wish it was the only person I knew that went through something like that. But I remember up into his funeral, how upset and distraught I was because I, I knew his family would hold a Catholic funeral at the small church in our town. And I was so worried that they would one, ignore whatever mental health he was suffering from. I believe it was depression, but I don't know that 100%. And that scared me because I felt like this was an opportunity for people to wake up and realize that he was a good Christian kid and he was struggling. And while possibly it was ignored after his first attempt, I was thankful to get to his funeral and have his sister stand up and say, he's free now, that he was struggling that he's at home with God and that any pain and suffering that he was going through has been alleviated. If you're struggling with mental health or addiction, know that the church is here for you. 
Know that garage is here for you. Your friends are here for you. And, and sometimes it's out of our power. Sometimes it's too big for us to deal with. But know that you don't have to walk through this alone and you're not supposed to. Your struggle does not mean that you're not a good Christian or that your faith is not strong enough. You reaching out for something besides prayer is not an indication that your faith is weak. In fact, I would argue it's the opposite. Um, I tried to show a video, but I'm not techie. Um, And also, I don't listen to worship music outside of this building, which is probably not a good thing, but it's the truth. Um, And there's a band, maybe you know them, We Are Messengers, I don't know. Um, And they have this song called um, Maybe It's Okay. And I wanted to show a part of the video because the chorus says, maybe it's okay if I'm not okay. Because the one who holds the world is holding on to me. The one who holds the stars is holding my life. And while this is a negative topic or a sad topic, um, I hope that you see the, that there is hope for you. That our God is bigger than whatever you're struggling through and that it will go away and that you persevering through it proves your faith. I want to leave you with this. God does not define you by your mental health and neither should you. Whatever you're struggling through is temporary. Whatever you're addicted to is temporary. And I hope that you allow us to be part of the journey to your healing and to your recovery because that's our job and that's my purpose. I'm part of your community. You're good. Okay. I can play the drums if you need to. Just kidding. All right. I'm going to pray really quickly, guys. Lord, I know that tonight's topic was tough. And... I'm so hopeful that anything I said that was discouraging be washed away, Lord, and that you allowed these students to hear you and feel your presence and know that that if and when prayer is not enough for them while they are struggling, that you have designed a community to lift them up that you have given them opportunities outside of their control and maybe outside their awareness, Lord. Help our students understand and, and help our staff understand that any mental health struggles, addiction, depression, anxiety, does not have to defeat us or define us. In Jesus' name, amen.